Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 68, and we're going to talk about the new Aurora Project, which I have hinted at for, oh, 68 episodes now. We're also going to talk about the pesky problem of metal shavings, a tale from the road inspired by the recent incident in the Suez Canal, bamboo paper towels, and a place to visit involving some very old trees. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for joining me once again. Last week, I gave you two episodes in one week because I'm a very generous guy. And again, thank you to Franco Lido for the interview. I do absolutely appreciate your efforts there. But because of that, I'm going to beg your indulgence this week and allow myself to kind of focus on my projects for the year. Hopefully they will offer you some inspiration, but I feel like I need to tie up some loose ends and make an announcement about what is to come in the coming year for Built to Go and the College of Curiosity, which is mostly focused on Built to Go at this point. If you have listened to the early episodes of this show, you have heard the word Aurora far more often than would seem likely. And there's a reason for that. And I am going to offer you now a full explanation of the entire Aurora thing. In 2019, I built my van. I built that van because I wanted to have a van, but I really didn't have a mission for it. I didn't have a purpose. Sure, I knew I would use it with my volunteer activities where I was frequently sleeping in strange places. That was absolutely a motivator, but I didn't have a really good project in mind for the van. And that's something that's very important to me. One thing I'll ask folks is, uh, oh, so you're building a camper van. What, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, well, we want to travel. I'm like, okay, but what's your mission? What's your goal? And some of the people look at me quizzically, and that's fine. But to me, I always need to have a goal. I always need to have a project. I always need to have something I'm trying to accomplish other than just existing. We can get into all kinds of philosophy about that, but let's not. As it happens, I had to drive to Denver a few times, and being from Chicago, the route from Chicago to Denver passes through many places named Aurora. You have Aurora, Illinois, and then there's Aurora, Nebraska, and then there is Aurora, Colorado. And I noticed that these places were strikingly different. Aurora, Illinois is a bustling small city in the shadow of Chicago. Aurora, Nebraska is an interesting kind of classical Midwestern county seat that has some really interesting things there, and I've talked about them before. And then Aurora, Colorado is a modern, booming suburbia that is about to engulf Denver. Very different places, very different perspectives. And I kind of held that in the back of my mind as, oh, isn't that interesting? But remember this time period. It was 2019, which it was two years ago, but because of COVID seems like forever ago. The country was very divided, and I was heavily involved in an organization that was apolitical and brought people from both sides of the political spectrum together, and we all got stuff done without any strife. And I thought, now that's interesting. Clearly, there is a commonality between Americans that must be found. And I thought, what if I had a project where I would try to illustrate that through travel? What if I went to a bunch of different places 
and examine them and say, look, this place is very, very different from this place, but they both have this one good thing in common. Let's celebrate that. And then I thought, well, why not choose Auroras? And Auroras are a very interesting type of named city or named place to visit because the word Aurora is a word that sparks hope. It's an attractive word. It's, it's a word that you choose if you want to invite people to come there. And literally, that is done in a couple of cases in some of these cities. And then I looked at the map, and I saw that auroras were fairly evenly distributed throughout the United States. There's some on the west coast, there's some on the east coast, there's some very far north, there's some fairly far south. Now, it's not a perfect distribution. The southeast and the southwest aren't particularly well represented, but I found ways to accommodate that. And I did it. In 2019, I visited every single aurora in North America, as it happens. Now, there's some caveats there that I'll get into in some detail. I had to decide what counted as a place called Aurora. Turns out that's more complicated than you might think, but it doesn't matter. Following my criteria, I visited 22 places named Aurora, and I found amazing things, and I have all these great stories. And my intent with this project was to make a YouTube video of each one and then wrap it all up showing the commonality of all these places and that, yes, this small town in Kansas is super conservative. And yes, this large city in the West is actually really liberal. But look what they have in common. We as Americans have these things in common, and we could refocus on that and help solve this problem of division we have in the country. That was my goal. And then a bunch of things happened. I finished this trip in November in Aurora, Indiana. That was my last stop of November 2019, that is. And in researching Aurora, Indiana, I was struck by the town's history, which I'm sorry to say is fairly dark. And then we entered 2020, and I was still struggling with the project and exactly what to do with it. And I discovered that my video quality, which I shot on a camcorder, was awful. In fact, I had gone into this completely unprepared to do video, and all the footage I had shot over months of traveling and 5,000 miles of driving was not going to be suitable for a YouTube project. So I thought, oh, well, all right, what can I do? Can I turn this into a blog? Could someone even suggested I turn it into a book? Could I turn it into a podcast, which I actually had planned to do and have written outlines for? But then COVID happened. And then last summer happened, where we had riots and a whole lot of reflection on the racist history of the United States. And I couldn't help but see my Aurora project in that light. And that completely changed my original goal for the project, which was to find that commonality. I didn't find it. Instead, what I found was a lot of forgotten and hidden racism in many different aspects of all these auroras that I visited. And it's a very important topic, and yet it is not what I wanted to focus on. And I was left with the conclusion that we're divided for a reason, and it's not good. I mean, I was trying to do this to present a message of hope, and instead, what I came away with was almost a sense of despair. 
And it was a really interesting thing that my all the Auroras I visited, the first one I visited was Aurora, Missouri, and the last one was Aurora, Indiana. And those two had the darkest racist history. So I ended up with this project that had basically the most interesting story about these two places was racism. And that was the bookends of the project. Now, I don't talk about politics and religion and stuff like that on this podcast. That is not what this podcast is about. It's about van life. And yet I was struck with this overwhelming objective view that this country has serious racial issues. And I don't think that's political. So I struggled and struggled with what to do with this. COVID hit 2020 was a cluster truck by any definition. And then I had all sorts of my own health problems. I won't go into that, but it has been a very difficult time. Just this week, I have managed to start feeling like myself again, feeling like I can get out there and do things I want to do again. And I have this aging van that I was going to replace this year, but decided not to. And I want to do one big last trip, one big last hurrah in this vehicle that I love so much. And after a lot of consideration and a lot of, a lot of reflection on all these amazing stories that I have from all these different auroras, and they are amazing. I mean, we have dead aliens buried in Texas. We have incredible rolling blueberry fields in Aurora, Maine. We have, we have the ghost town of Aurora, Nevada, where there's a grave to a dead gunslinger and where Mark Twain first successfully published something. There is an incredible wealth of stories here, and I haven't told any of them because I haven't found the right format. And so I'm going to do it again. In 2021, I am going to go back and I'm going to revisit every single one of these auroras and maybe a couple more. And this time I'm going to go back prepared. I have a much better handle on YouTube now, so I can actually make the YouTube videos. Plus, I already know the stories because I have experienced them. Instead of going into these places blind to see what's there, I kind of know what's there now, and I can focus on that story and create it better. Plus, I now get to contrast these places pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, pre-election, post-election. And I think there's going to be some compelling stories there. So what I'm going to do is this. Starting in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start visiting these auroras. I'm going to keep doing this podcast as I always have, but I'm going to add a section, an aurora section, to the podcast. It will probably lengthen the podcast by five minutes, and I hope you'll indulge me with that as well. I will also have a YouTube video for every aurora I visit and then the ancillary videos that come from that because I'm about to take a journey of 5,000 miles in an aging van that I built myself, and I'm sure bad things are going to happen. <laughs> I just know. But the nice thing about doing it this way is that a bad thing is a good story, and I'd like to bring you along with me. I would be very happy to hear your thoughts on this. I would love this to be a collaborative thing, and if possible, I will announce places where I'm going to be, and if COVID allows it, maybe we can do some meetup things, like gather at a burger place or something. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. But at any rate, thank you for indulging me for talking about my personal project for this long. Let's get back with the normal format. Tech Talk. You know, it's funny. Every time I say Tech Talk, 
Alexa goes off behind me every single week. It's kind of fascinating. Anyway, let's talk about metal shavings because that also is such an exciting topic. I cut holes in my van. Oh, I know, the scary thing, but you have to do it to do a lot of things like ad ventilation. I did not realize that metal shavings were such a big problem. And then they are. So let's talk about that. When you cut a hole in your van, no matter which method you use, whether you're using saws or grinders or whatever, you are going to create a whole lot of little tiny metal shavings. That can be very sharp, but the real problem is, is that they gather in places and create rust. If they stay on your roof, and remember, they're very sharp, so if you have a new van and your paint is still a little bit soft, because it actually takes a while for automotive paint to cure, much longer than the time between when the van is made and the van is delivered to you, those little metal shavings can actually dig into the paint and rust and ruin your paint job. On the inside of the van, they can gather in corners and then just start rusting. And then sometimes that rust can spread and kind of encourage rust in other areas. So you don't want these metal shavings in your van. So what do you do about this? Well, there's a couple of tricks you can try. One is magnets. Let's say you're drilling a small hole in the side of your van. Hopefully not through to the outside, but in one of the ribs. You can put a magnet beneath the hole and that will catch nearly all of the metal shavings. That's great for a small hole, really easy. And then you can just take a paper towel and wipe the metal shavings off the magnet. Super easy. But if you're doing that big 14 by 14 hole for your max air vent or whatever type of vent you chose, magnets aren't going to cut it because of the pesky law of inverse squares. Basically, your metal filings are going to be too far away from the magnet to be attracted. So here is a great trick for that. Get yourself a trash bag, a big trash bag, not like a grocery bag, like maybe a 33-gallon or even a 50-gallon trash bag. You want this to be big for a reason. And then mark out where you're going to cut and tape the plastic bag around that hole with a generous margin. So if you're doing a 14 by 14 hole, get that big trash bag and tape it a few inches from the outline of that hole. And then from the outside of the van, cut that hole and all the metal filings will fall into that trash bag. Now you can do this with a tarp. You kind of get the concept here. You're just trying to catch all those metal filings. And if you put a magnet in the bottom of the bag, you'll then be able to shake the bag up and have that magnet capture almost all the metal shavings and then you can you know, use the bag for whatever you want. That's if you want, you don't have to do that. But it's important to do this and then vacuum up carefully and get those metal shavings out of there. They are not your friend, and you don't want them. Just a couple of tidbits that can really help. I wish I had known that before I did my van. It would have saved me a lot of work, and actually, honestly, a lot of little cuts, too, because that stuff's really sharp. Tales from the road. All this Bodie McStuckface stuff that's been going on in the, in the Suez lately, and as of today, that's theoretically fixed, although we know there's a big backlog. It reminded me of a time that one of the strange experiences I had delivering pizza. Turns out that if you deliver pizza as a living, or at least as a job, you're going to have a lot of strange experiences. One, one that we had, this is not the story, but just real quick. One that we had was there was a woman who every Friday night would call and order a pizza and would always answer the door naked. Always. Every Friday. And we learned this pattern, and some of us would maybe kind of, you know... Asked to do that delivery because not only did she answer the door naked, she tipped really, really well. Later on, we learned that this was part of a, of a sexual ritual that she engaged in with her mate. And that's all fine and good and more power to her. But that is actually not the story I want to tell. 
I find this story actually more interesting. I got the order to deliver the pizza, and the address was a place I'd never been before. Now, I was delivering pizzas in Salem, Massachusetts, where I lived at the time, and I knew all the places. One nice thing about being a pizza driver is you learn the city, you learn all the streets. This was a weird address I had never seen before, and okay. Now, this is way before GPSs. This is 1985, I think, maybe 1986. So I looked at the map. We had a big map on the wall, and I realized that this address was a coal-fired power plant way out in the part of Salem that nobody lives in, basically. This was out by, if you're familiar with Salem at all, it was out by Salem Willows and Winter Island. If you know Salem, you know the power plant. Big, huge power plant right on the water. I'm like, okay, so maybe there's some workers at the power plant. You know, we're hungry, and that's fine. So I drive out there, which is kind of a long drive relative to pizza delivery times, and I stop at the security guard, and the security guard's like, uh, we can't let you in here. I'm like, well, I have a pizza for, and there's the address. And I give the guy the address, and he's like, huh. Well, all right, those guys are hungry. Let's see if we can get this to work. And so he hops in my car. And he says, okay, head down here. Now, I don't actually know where we're going at this point. I'm assuming we're going to the power plant. I kind of thought the guy could have just taken the pizza and driven it over himself, but I guess he didn't have the money for it. So, okay, that's fine. This was back in the days where they gave you the money as you gave them the pizza. And as we're driving, he looks at my dashboard, and I was in a 1980 Datsun 510 car I loved, and I had a little Buddha on the dashboard. Not the happy, chubby Buddha, more of a kind of a pensive, meditating Buddha. And he sat right at my dashboard, and the guy looks at it, and he says, you believe in that stuff? And I was like, well, some of it makes sense. I, I like it. He said, well, you, you be careful. That stuff's dangerous. I'm like, hmm. Well, okay. Thanks for your spiritual advice. I just kind of let that slide. And then he says, okay, pull up right here. And where he's asking me to pull up is on the dock right next to the harbor, right next to a massive ship filled with coal. It was the crew of the ship who had ordered the pizza. They were from Canada, and when they saw me pull up, their eyes lit up like I was bringing manna from heaven, and they were all talking over each other, asking me all these kind of questions. It was very clear that these poor guys had been cooped up in that ship a very long time and were really eager to interact with somebody who wasn't part of their crew, even if it was just some 18-year-old kid delivering pizza with an apparent Buddhism problem. Anyway, they didn't tip very well, <laughs> as it happens, but it was okay because I really enjoyed the fact that I was interacting with international cargo, although I still don't understand why in the U.S. we'd be getting coal from Canada since we have most of it. But maybe I'll find that out some other day. Okay, a product review. I saw this thing at the local grocery store, and it was a roll of paper towels. It was very, well, relatively inexpensive. It was $1.50 for a roll of paper towels. As we know, paper towels have gotten really expensive. But these are made of bamboo. And what's weird is they're reusable. I'll have a picture of it in the show notes, or a link if I can find one. I actually bought these locally, so I don't know if there's a link online. It looks like a roll of paper towels, and they tear off like paper towels. It's the same size as, their, as a paper towel roll and everything, but they feel softer and a bit cloth-like, like almost like a dusting cloth. And I thought, all right, let's put it to the test. So I used them as paper towels, and yeah, they're great. They work perfectly as paper towels. I would say they're a little bit less absorbent, not much, 
but a little bit less absorbent. But they also don't get as soggy. And then, after I was done with them, I was like, you know, I really had the urge to throw them away, because that's what you do with paper towels. But it said, no, you can wash these a hundred times. And so I did. I put them in the washing machine. And honestly, I only found one of them <laughs> after they were in the washing machine. I don't know where they went. They were with all my extra socks, I guess. But the one I did find was ready to go. Now, it didn't look like new. It was a bit smaller. I did not dry it, by the way. I just washed it. And it wasn't entirely clean. There were still some stains on it. But sure, I could use it for something else. So this was at home that I did this. Now, in a van... I think these things actually make a lot of sense because you could use them to wash dishes and then rinse them out and dry them and then you could use them to wash dishes again. Basically, you could get a, a bunch of dishwashings out of one of these bamboo towels. And if you were using paper towels to do that in the past, this would save you money and also space, which is supremely important. And for only $1.50, I say, hey, give them a try, see what you think. So I will have a link in the show notes of some sort to these unusual things. And uh, yeah, I think I'm a fan. A place to visit. Haha, <laughs> guess what? It's an Aurora place because I'm so stuck on that theme right now. But this is a place that you're not going to run into unless you look for it. One of the Auroras I visited was Aurora, West Virginia. I love West Virginia. I went to school in West Virginia. I met my first wife in West Virginia. I had a lot of things happen to me in West Virginia. West Virginia holds a place in my heart that's a little hard to explain unless you have lived in West Virginia yourself. West Virginia suffers in tragic beauty. It's a lot to unpack there, but that's the overwhelming sense I get from Aurora. And when I visited Aurora, West Virginia, I actually left near tears because it was so beautiful and so poor, and I just couldn't reconcile those two things. That's not why I want you to visit this place. I want you to go to Aurora, West Virginia, and go to a place called Cathedral State Park. Why? Because Cathedral State Park is West Virginia's largest collection of old-growth forest. This is forest that was the way it was before Europeans came to this continent. You can actually see an ancient forest in West Virginia, and it is beautiful. This is only a 133-acre park. It's not huge, but it has 170 species of trees, ferns, and wildflowers, and an enormous stand of virgin hemlock. Hemlock is a very interesting tree. It's one I'm very familiar with having grown up in New England because it's waterproof. The branches are waterproof and it makes excellent shelter in an emergency situation. I actually slept in a hemlock one night. Maybe I'll tell that story sometime. At any rate, this is a beautiful place way off the beaten path. And if you want to just go and commune with nature kind of quietly and without a lot of fanfare, I just had a really, I'm not going to call it a spiritual experience, but you would, I think. Anyway, check it out. Beautiful. I'll have some pictures in the show notes and I'll have a link to it. It's Cathedral State Park in Aurora, West Virginia. And stay tuned for the news section of this podcast and I will give you a special reason why you should go there. Resource recommendation. This is an old one, but a good one. 
For years and years, long before we had cell phones and the internet, there was a book published called The Next Exit, and it was meant for truckers, and it basically had a listing of everything that was available at every exit on every interstate in the country. Now, because it was a book, it went out of date fairly quickly, so a new one came out every year. But now, Next Exit is a website and an app and also a book. And of course, the website and the app can be updated anytime there's an update. And it's a very useful thing if you are planning ahead and looking where you should stop. For example, you can look and see Exit 111 has one gas station, but Exit 115 has seven gas stations. Maybe that's better. Or maybe you have a Love's discount card, and you can find out that that's at Exit 111, so you want to go there. Or maybe you're looking for a McDonald's. Well, there's one of those at Exit 115, but not at Exit 113. That kind of a thing. That's all it is. It's very simple. Now, it is a subscription. This is not a free service. This is meant for professional truck drivers, and they take it very serious, which in a way is good because it is in their best interest to keep this information as updated as possible. So there's a 14-day free subscription. No, this isn't sponsored. This is just something that I like. Try it free for 14 days. It's at thenextexit.com. And then it's, hold on, it's so expensive. It's $9.99 a year. That's not a lot to pay. It's less than a dollar a month to get information that could be super useful to you in a time of need. Van life news. We haven't had news in a while. And I'm and unfortunately I'm gonna give you three news items that are all bad news. And I'm sorry, but they're all important, so that's why I have to do this. First piece of news is that butane and propane prices have gone way up. I used to always get my propane, my little green propane bottles, I would get them at Walmart because their four packs were the cheapest around, and they still are, but they're 25% more expensive now. And then I would get my butane in bulk from Amazon because you could get a 12-pack for significantly cheaper than anywhere else. It was, it was like a bargain. Unfortunately, those prices have gone up 30% now, if you can find them. And it has to do with all the craziness of this past year. We had the Texas incident, we had COVID, and yes, Bodie McStuckface stuck in the Suez Canal is also going to impact these prices. So propane and butane are going to be tough this year. If you were looking for a year to explore maybe the wonders of charcoal or cooking on an open fire, this might be the year. And that leads us to item number two. Where should you go to practice those charcoal skills? The answer is probably not national parks. This year, national parks are going to be overflowing all year long. They're already reporting record reservations. They're already selling out. Everybody and their brother is going to be out camping, RVing, and van lifing this summer everybody. It's going to be the busiest year ever. That means we're going to be in crowds and a lot of us don't like crowds. And that's why I recommend you give up on the national parks this year. Yes, they're all wonderful. Yes, they're all worth visiting. But how about this year, focus on the smaller places like say Cathedral State Park or in Southern Illinois, there is a whole giant cypress swamp. It looks like Louisiana bayous down there. Check that out for a change. Or maybe head up to northern Maine and go to Katahdin. Anyway, there's endless places to go. They don't all have to be national parks. 
just consider that. And lastly, van availability just took another blow. Yes, they're already in short supply due to COVID, reducing the number of vans being made, due to the increased demand on new vans from companies like Amazon, and that bleeding over into the used van market as van life becomes hugely popular. There is now a lack of computer chips available to put into vehicles, and that is making the strain on new vans even higher. So I'm sorry, there's no relief in sight for the high prices that vans are getting right now. Not yet. I still think a lot of people bought vans are going to try van life and hate it, and those vans are going to come back on the market. I still think that's going to happen, but probably not until midsummer or later, but we'll see. So there you go. Three news stories. I'm sorry none of them filled you with any hope. Well, thank you for listening to this episode 68, and thank you for indulging my personal interest for this one. I promise I will stick more to the format in future episodes. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. And remember, you can find me at jeff at builttogo.com. That's two T's, not three, not one. I would love to hear from you, and I will address any topic you want on this show. Until next time, remember what Princess Aurora said. Oh, we walk together and talk together, and just before we say goodbye, he takes me in his arms, and then I wake up. <laughs>